You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canada. In this message, Alex Cartes answers the question, how can a loving God send people to hell? I think this is an important topic, the one we are going to, to talk about today. There are some questions that we have and we have heard from other people. And I'm always thinking about those questions that other people ask that make us a bit uncomfortable. Like, for example, why is Jesus the only way to God? We've heard that. Why suffering? Why pain? Today, I decided to go for something very, very strong. We're going to talk about hell. And the question is something like this. How can a loving God send people to hell? And this is a question that not only people from outside is asking today, but people from the churches. So I think we need to talk about it. It's interesting, you ask many people, and they think they are going to heaven. And the best answer they can give you is that because I'm a good person. Heaven is not the only one, as I said, there is another one, hell, another place where people can go. And let's face it, this is not a popular subject. You go to many churches and they don't even talk about this. Because we have become too good, better than God these days. So what we do, we try to make people come through our doors. It doesn't matter, okay? How their condition is, it doesn't matter. Just come along. And no change required. But God is a God of changes. He's into transforming our lives. Okay, so as I said, it's rarely discussed in churches. But I find that it's, it's a bit of a shame because the eternal consequences of hell are very important. I want to read a passage in Matthew 25, verse 31 to 34, then verse 41 and 46. This is Jesus talking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Heavenly Father, help me to talk about this difficult topic. Holy Spirit, come over me take over. I want you to open the hearts and the ears of the people he present today. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. Okay, so there are some misconceptions regarding hell. Some people say a loving God would never, never send people to hell. As I said before, some people say, look, I'm a good person. I think that if there is a heaven, because people don't even think that, if there is a heaven, I believe I will go to heaven. And the misconceptions about heaven go on and on. 
Have you seen those cartoons with the devil in his red tights and with a pitchfork? And where is he reigning? Where is he the king? He is the king of? Question, does he live in hell? Where is the devil right now? Here. This is his kingdom. And if we paid attention before to what we read, it said that the lake of fire or hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. So he's not there yet. But there are some, as I said, misconceptions. There are some apostates. That's the only word I've got for them in churches today, dismissing the possibility of hell altogether. I'm sorry, I'm going to give a name. One of them is Rob Bell. I'm saying this because you might go to Kurong and find one of his books. Don't read them. Beautiful. Talk about love and a God of love and whatever. But he preaches universalism. What does that mean? In the end, that Jesus is not the only way. It doesn't matter how you live your life. It doesn't matter if you believe in this, in this, in this other thing. If you believe in a rock, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, God is so good, he's going to take you to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. What we just read before. And there is also, also a, a teaching that a sinful life can be restored or can be um, rectified in this place called purgatory. That's not biblical. It's not biblical. You have your opportunity here to come to God, not later. People can pray for you, whatever they want to pray. How many prayers they do, I don't care. The opportunity to be at peace with God is here. So why believe in hell? You know, many, many people think that this, the hell was invented by the apostles or uh, church fathers in order to intimidate people. But who is the person who spoke more about hell than anybody else? Jesus did. In Matthew 33, he says, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? In Matthew 8, 12, he says, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If Jesus is saying that, it seems to me that hell is a real place because he's the most loving person we find in the scriptures. He is God himself in the flesh. But he spoke more of hell than any other person in the Bible. So I believe as his followers, we have to do the same thing. Otherwise, we are not honoring God. Okay, so when Jesus talks about hell, he usually uses the word Gehenna. And Gehenna in Hebrew means the valley of Enam. That was the southern part of Jerusalem. That valley had a very sad history. Because in the time of the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, 
People used to sacrifice their children there as a burnt offering for the god Molech. In time, by the time Jesus was on earth, that was where the city rubbish ended up. And they were always burning the rubbish there. Okay? That's why he referred to Gehenna and hell like a place where the worm that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. To get the people's attention, for them to understand how bad it was going to be. Okay, but is hell a torture chamber? Do you think it's a chamber that people go there and they are tortured? Is it? Is it full of fire? Is this metaphorical or is it literal? What is it? Okay, we'll see. Jesus talked about that place of a place where there is fire. Fire produces light. But in another place, he's talking about that this is a place of darkness. So what is it? It seems to me that is a figure of speech. You see, hell is better understood for what is not there. Paul described this as a place. He says, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Try to imagine a place where God is not there. No love, no joy, no peace, no satisfaction, no contentment, no laughter. God brings all of this into the equation, but if God is not there, those qualities won't be there. Honestly, if you imagine a place like that on earth, that is hell, literally. A place void of God. I believe that the outer darkness that he is referring to has to do with relation. You know, our God is a God of relationships because we know our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? So there is community there. But imagine a place of loneliness, solitary confinement. Not long ago we were watching the documentary on, based on the book Torture for Christ of this Romanian pastor in the past when he was tortured for years by the communists. And I was amazed at, I think he spent years, I don't know how many years, in solitary confinement. But the beauty of that, you know why he didn't go crazy? Because every day, Jesus would show up and talk to him. But imagine solitary confinement forever and ever and ever and ever. Anguish is the only thing that can live there. Anguish. So that's why I was thinking that darkness means absence of relationship. Because even a funny thing like this, well, it's not funny, but it wasn't back in the day. There was a time in Chile when we were very close 
to, um, to go to a war with Argentina. And they used to do some drills, and sometimes, well, for other reasons too, but the power, the blackout, it was interesting because blackout, as soon as that happened, the mother would say, are you there? Are you there? And even if we were in, in church at that time and that happened, it would be like trying to feel the person. We, know, we knew that the person was sitting next to us. But that's what darkness brings. You can go during the day to a cemetery, no problems. How do you feel going at night by yourself? They are dead. They were dead during the night. They are, dead. They are going to be dead at night time. But you see, that's what darkness brings. But when the Bible talks about fire, I think it means that it displays the righteous anger of God. His judgment. Because he is judged, he's loving, but he's powerful, he's God. And these days we want to bring God in the dock. You know, the dock is uh, the place where you put the witness there to testify in a case. Well, God used to do that with us, and we see it in the Bible, and I think he still does it. But society has changed that. So we have God there and ask all these questions. Why this? Why that? God is the one who is supposed to ask all that, those questions from us. But let's keep moving. There are some objections to the reality of hell. And the objection number one is that the notion of judgment is offensive. Everything is offensive this day. More reason to think that the notion of judgment is offensive. So people think, why do this loving God has to separate people, you know? Instead of all of them, as I said before, going to heaven. Why can't God just accept everybody? It doesn't matter. Isn't that what love requires? Well, God is not only loving, but he's holy. He is holy, and we forget that, okay? Tell me something. Shouldn't God hate the terrorist bombs that kill hundreds of thousands of people? Shouldn't God hate the wickedness that is in your heart and my heart? We are very easy to point the evil outside. Oh, look at all the evil in the world, some people say. How can you tell me that God exists? What about the evil inside your heart? Shouldn't God hate that wickedness that is inside? If he didn't, he could hardly be called good. But he's good, he's holy. Tell me something, when a killer, um, we've seen this on television many times, gets a lenient sentence, we usually feel cheated by the system. And we think that the judge or the system is bad. Our God is righteous and is holy and is just. And the judgment of God is necessary for the existence of moral order in the universe. And this is the most important thing. God treats you and me as free moral agents, responsible before him. So give us the choice. But he has to bring us to his bar of judgment. And we have to understand that. Some people say, well, the basis of the verdict is unfair. 
I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in God or whatever. If you're a good person, you're going to still go to heaven. Let's see. Bill Hybels talk about the Aunt Edna objection. Pay attention. Aunt Edna is the quintessential nice person. She pays her taxes, bakes cookies for the grandkids, and is kind to stray cats. But she is not into the God thing. Does she deserve to go to hell? In fact, any number of times and in various ways, various ways, sorry, God revealed himself to Aunt Edna, whether through hearing the stories of Christmas and Easter, through the experience of or seeing a radiant sunset or a majestic mountain range, or through the whisper of her own conscience. But each time, Aunt Edna turned away from the whisper of God calling her to acknowledge him, to thank him, to worship him. Each time she said, not to God. I will not allow you to be God in my life. I will rule my own life. She said, Aunt Edna just wants God to leave her alone. And being left alone by God is what the Bible calls hell. Separation from God. You see, the tragedy of the human condition is that we want to be God, our own God. And you know, the extraordinary thing here is that God just allows us to do that. Okay, you want to rule your life? Fine, rule it. You don't want me in your life? Fine. But one day in eternity, you're not going to be with me. So if he lives in heaven, why do you want to go there for eternity if you don't like Jesus here? Why are you going to love Jesus to be there? That's why God is just, is righteous. And he has to separate people. Okay? Objection number three. The punishment. And this is something that comes up very frequently. The punishment is grossly excessive. Okay, let's say that the verdict is, is probably fair. But what about the punishment? Everlasting condemnation? Some people might say, why not 10, 10 years, five years, a few months here and there, and then stay with God? So how is it possible, people say, that our finite and temporal sin merit this eternal consequence? Could it be because the one we sin against is of infinite Holiness and goodness. We see everything from our point of view. Like we are the important people here. Because we believe that we are God, as I said before. But why does it have to go on forever? As I said before, wouldn't a thousand years be enough? But there is a misunderstanding of what hell is. You know what hell is? Hell is not a place full of people that are humble, that are repented. Over there, everything goes on spiraling. Have you read the book of Revelation? When God sends all these um, judgments on earth, and what people do? Instead of repenting, they raise their fist against God in heaven. If they do it on earth, they are going to do it in eternity. So, God doesn't enjoy sending people to hell. 
33 says, Say to them, Surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. And in 1 Timothy 2.4, Paul says, God our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God is waiting for people to repent. You know, Jesus doesn't send people to hell. I didn't make a mistake in what I said. Jesus doesn't send people to hell because people don't believe in them. People, humanity, is going to hell because of our rebellion against God in the beginning. Jesus came to rescue us. Because all of us were like you know, those sheep that go astray. That's what the Bible says. But Jesus came to rescue us and bring us back to the right path. And he is the right path. So why should there be a hell? Number one, hell demonstrates God's holiness. You see, our understanding of God's utter unlimited purity is limited. And on the other hand, we don't understand what sin is. You know, Instead of thinking, oh, sin is not too bad. I mean, how extremely of God to punish it in hell. We should think differently. We should think, what might sin be like if it results in sinners justly going to hell? So hell shows us that God is a holy God. And he has a revulsion for sin. You know, in the Old Testament, we see a very heavy-handed God. Something, in some instances, wasn't right. He would just, boom, kill the person there on sight. It wasn't often, but it was like that. He passed judgment on the spot. He doesn't do that now. You know why? It's because of Jesus. But even if the judgment is delayed, is going to happen because he is a holy God. Number two, hell vindicates God's justice. He is a judge. He rules in the universe. I mean, if he created everything, he's got the right. He's got the right. And the biggest sin of all, as I said before, has to be punished, which is rebellion against God. And number three, hell magnifies God's grace. When Jesus cried on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was experiencing hell for you and for me. I said before that hell is separation from God. And I'm so glad that he did it, so I cannot go through it. I'm so glad that he showed up in my life and called me 
to be his son that he adopted me to be his son I am forgiven that's the difference between the sinners out there and the sinners here because we all are sinners but we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus a different question we should ask you see the title of this sermon is how could a loving God send people to hell we should ask how could a holy God allow me into his heaven And this question points with the answer to the grace of God in the cross of Christ. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at iancanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra.